Hey, what's going on? This is Castro. And in this episode, I interviewed Dr. John N. Wilderman. And he is a pediatrician slash addiction specialist. And we discuss marijuana addiction and how marijuana or weed is a better alternative. And also in the beginning, we're talking about Philly Norm. You could go to phillynorm.org and they meet up uh, every weekend at uh, the Quaker Town, Quaker City Flea Market. And that's located in 5001 Comley Street, Philadelphia, PA. And the phone number is 484-479-7183. And you can register for uh, PA Medical Marijuana. So enjoy. Yes. Yeah, they've been doing that for over a year. Mm-hmm. Again, it just makes it easier because you have to have a laptop or a PC. You have to use all capitals. You have to go through Chrome as your browser. Uh, so, you know, when it's set up, uh, when it goes through, it's a thing of beauty. When it doesn't go through, it'll drive you crazy. Uh, you have to have, a, obviously, a, a, a valid identification or Pennsylvania driver's license. And so once you're uh, registered, and there's no cost to register, then you need to see a doctor to be certified. And what I'm certifying as a certifying doctor is that the patient has one of the 22 diseases that qualify for medicinal cannabis. Chronic pain due to obviously some disease, but they have, you know, uh, ALS, autism, cancer, Crohn's disease, uh, dyskinetic, spastic movements, something like Tourette's, um, spasticity of the spinal cord, uh, epilepsy, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, Huntington's disease, which is a genetic disorder, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, intractable seizures, multiple sclerosis, neuropathies, pain uh, from from uh, neurogenitive uh, diseases, uh, opioid use disorder uh, in conjunction with therapy, um, Parkinson's, uh, PTSD, severe chronic or intractable pain, sickle cell anemia, and terminal illness. These are all the qualifying diseases. And so uh, as a certifying uh, doctor, I'm a pediatrician, I'm an addiction specialist, so obviously I'm not taking care of somebody with a GI problem. So what do patients need to bring to you? Patients bring records to me. They don't have to be lengthy records. They just need, I just need verification that they do have one of the diseases on the list. Um, Once I know that, I talk to the patient, I interview them, I examine them, uh, and we talk about where the medicinal effects of cannabis uh, could probably help. Uh, Once I see them uh, and certify them, my office puts it through to the state. Uh, Within 10 minutes of leaving my office, because we do it right away, uh, you'll get an email bill from the state. The bill is for $50, but there are certain adjustments, uh, uh, Medicaid insurance, uh, Medicare. um, I'm not sure. I think there's another couple where they'll only charge you $25. It'll slow the process down maybe two, three days while the state confirms it. But once you pay the bill, three, four days, you will get your card. Um, Some doctors uh, may not certify you for a year. 
Um, I do because it's, once again, I'm just certifying the disease state. The dispensaries are set up in a very medical uh, uh, environment. It's not a head shop. Uh, very professional, and there are pharmacists at every dispensary. So when you go in to the to the dispensary, you meet with the pharmacist, and you discuss your disease state and what you're looking for, and they will direct you to various products. Uh, they're not all smokable products. There are tinctures. Again, you know, we use it for autism, and as a pediatrician, I will certify children. Uh, for the medication. There's some new products that did come out that they're working on. These are higher in CBD because we know THC and young brains don't go well together. So the CBD portion uh, is good for anxiety, chronic pain. It's non-altering, does not come up on a general urine screen because there's no THC. And so they come in drops, they come in capsules, they have lotions, they have creams. Uh, they do have vape oils, but again, you know, for the kid version, no, we don't do the smoking part. But last July, they did approve uh, uh, buds, um, and uh, they also have vape oil, they have shatter, they have sugar, they have uh, resin, they have all kinds of products. Um, all the dispensaries have daily menus, eight, nine pages. And on here will tell you what the product is. Uh, is it a sativa? Is it an indica? Is it a hybrid? These are different strains. How much THC is in it? How much CBD? So again, you can guide your tolerance and past experience with the products on the market. Obviously, if it's daytime, you want something lower. And uh, if you want something for sleep, like an indica, you want a, probably a higher THC. But everybody's different as far as their sensitivity. And might I add, this is one part that confuses the medical community, is that when we give you amoxicillin 500 milligrams, we're giving you 500 milligrams. This medication works a little differently in that tolerance in some people uh, may need higher levels, some need lower levels. So. I know that the medical community is a little bit shy in maybe not understanding that, that this is a product that you need to see what the effect is and play with a different strain. How do you introduce medicinal marijuana to patients that are already addicted to prescribed pills? If you do not have the gene and use an opioid, the risk of, of getting addicted is very, very small. If you have the gene and you get the one pill, that will trigger the receptors of the brain. Once the receptor of the brain is triggered, then it takes one to two years to put it back to normal. There's a belief in the support system that I need to help me that, like you say, well, drugs like Suboxone are crutches, uh, it's a chronic medical disease. No, they're not crutches, they are treatment. The design of a drug like Suboxone or Vivitrol over the two-year period, period will put the brain chemicals back to normal. So if you want to do an abstinence-only treatment, you need not to use for three years, two, I'm sorry, two years. That's 3% success rate. We have a major problem here. So the understanding of these medications 
are that they get rid of the craving. So there's a physical part and there's a mental part. I will take care of the physical part with my medications of Vivitrol and Suboxone. Methadone is similar to everything else they're using. So yes, there are people on it, very difficult to get off of it. We have acute withdrawal, we have chronic withdrawal. Chronic withdrawal is being clean, sober for two, three, four months, and then all of a sudden you start to get that that feeling that, that nags at you, which will increase. That's the chronic withdrawal. Could be from a trigger, could just be physical. And that's why the medications we have on the market, again, I've been doing this 11 years. I started off by starting people on Suboxone and saying, I have a miracle drug for you. <laughs> now, I yell it from the rooftops. This is a miracle drug. They still need to do the mental work. You still need meetings. You still need the love and support to avoid relapse, handling things differently than you did. But the drugs of uh, buprenorphine and Vivitrol, now Trexone, block the receptors. They have a higher affinity attachment. So if you use while you're on these drugs, it's a waste of time and money. So I can get you physically comfortable so you can devote your time to what you need to do mentally to deal with the traumas. I mean, again, if it's a genetic, it didn't start with that patient, right? Mm -hmm. So my question is, what did you grow up with as a child? What traumas have you suffered? What have you seen that kind of put you in this position? And it's very, very difficult, obviously, to deal with that and to change that. I have found medicinal cannabis to be extremely helpful for the patients that are having trouble sleeping, uh, having trouble with anxiety, uh, chronic pain. And so, like I always say, you know, we're talking to the patient, well, let's see, I'm going to get some Xanax off the street or a hit of vape oil. To me, that's a no-brainer. The vape oil works just as well, if not better, relaxes them, and serves it as a medication, unlike a benzo, which is which is uh, uh, very uh, not to be taken with buprenorphine. It's dangerous. Now, the discussion that cannabis is a gateway drug has been disproven. It is not a gateway drug, and a lot of the studies that were done did not take into account that most of the people who were smoking cannabis were also smoking nicotine. And there was some very interesting articles several years ago which looked at rats gave them cocaine and nicotine, and the rats were able to stop the cocaine. But if they gave them the nicotine first, they couldn't stop the cocaine. So you want to know what the trigger, the, the gateway drug is nicotine, not cannabis. There are some people that do have problems with cannabis. 94% of people who have a problem with cannabis have a major depressive disorder. Okay. So that's something else we watch for. Somebody that's smoking all the time, most of the time, you know, you want to do a mental health exam because, again, if they do have depression, uh, we know sometimes schizophrenia uh, can be triggered by cannabis. But the majority of patients, uh, it, it's not a, a, a gateway drug or a problem drug. And you're bringing up AA and NA that, you know, believe, and now it's a religion versus science, that Suboxone's a crutch. It's not a crutch. You know, any, most drugs you can't stop abruptly. You can't stop Suboxone abruptly. But in a trained uh, physician's hands, I have no problem getting people on it. I have no problem getting people off it.
and no withdrawal, no discomfort. Biggest complaint I'll hear is, uh, is uh, fatigue. But again, you have to realize how it works in the brain. So at one milligram of buprenorphine, you're filling 38 to 40% of the receptors. I go down to half milligrams, quarter milligrams. So my goal is to get somebody with a substance dependency problem off of Suboxone in two years. Hopefully they do the work. Now, it's you know relatively new because uh, cannabis, it's only been available maybe a year and a half. This may be a good adjunct once they get through uh, you know, the, the more acute phase to work in progress. But again, I think that uh, we are having a major problem and we need to get creative and we need to use tools that maybe we haven't used before to help us get through this crisis. I was watching a show called Adam Ruins Everything and he was talking about marijuana and how alcohol and cigarettes are way worse. And there are deaths obviously related to that and marijuana doesn't have any. And they said that if you're under 25, you shouldn't be smoking marijuana. Smoking marijuana. 25 is the age. Brain changes. Six points lower IQ with marijuana smokers under the age of 25 because the brain is still developing. So, you know, uh, when they're saying, well, the teenagers, this and that, it's not for teenagers. You know, this is for adults. Same as alcohol. I know, you know, people are drinking, uh, you know, not really acceptable uh, and not really uh, should be uh, something that they're doing. But it's the same thing. So you didn't outlaw alcohol now, worried about the kids that could get it. Same thing with cannabis. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And actually today's New York Times, Today being July 1st, Front Page had an article where they're looking at the research in Colorado, did not see an increase in teenage uh, cannabis use. Because they assume if they open it to the public, teenagers would be smoking. NIH and a lot of places are looking at, you know, there's over 100 chemicals in cannabis. Is that for street weed or for dispensary weed? No, any, any, any cannabis product has over 100 chemicals in it. These aren't added. These are natural products. So we don't, you know, we're looking at, too, the CBD, THC. There's others that are being looked at, too. So there's more in that plant than, uh, uh, you know, a lot of research. The research was restricted because it's a Schedule I drug, meaning it has no medicinal value. The only place that uh, legal research was being done in this country was the University of Mississippi. They, were, they have the fields there, and they're the only ones, and what they were looking at were the negative effects. Uh, so in 2016, they reevaluated to see if they were going to change it. They did not change it. It's still a Schedule One, but they have allowed other centers to start to do research on the product, and they get it from Mississippi, from University of Mississippi. Philadelphia, we have Jefferson as the Lambert Center. Uh, Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, I believe, is doing research. University of the Sciences is doing research on this. So there are centers that are starting to pop up to see, you know, what, what else is in this plant and how can it help us. What insurance providers are accepting this, or are there any insurance providers accepting this? No, no, no insurance because of federal law. So you still have federal law. Uh, But you were saying uh, the Medicaid, though. The state, again, the state is taking the responsibility and saying, you know, I'm not prescribing it, I'm not allowed. 
right? Because I have a medical license. I cannot prescribe that drug like I can't prescribe heroin or LSD. Mm -hmm. uh, so the state has taken the responsibility and say, we will prescribe it. We will allow you to have it. And so we are going to charge $50. But if you have Medicaid, the state will say, oh, yes, so we will take less because you have Medicaid. And of course, a Pennsylvania card is only valid in Pennsylvania. You can't bring products in from out of state. You can't take products with you to other states. So pretty much everything is uh, out of pocket expense. Correct. So even if Cal even if you have a California card, that doesn't mean that you can bring products to California or vice versa. What is the price if I come back and everything went well on my records? And aside from paying the $50 from the state, how much do you charge? What else? I, I charge $200 for the certification. I charge 100 for recertification. Uh, okay. And for recertification, they don't have to be an assistant patient. They just have to have the correct paperwork and, well, everything correct, and they just bring it to you. Yes, yes. Oh. If I didn't certify them originally, just bring me the record so I know what we have, and yes. Hey, this is Castro. Thanks for tuning in. And today I had, and he can be reached at? I'm Dr. Jan Weiderman, um, uh, solo practice, uh, 10,800 Bustleton Avenue, far northeast Philly, Somerton, uh, 19116. I'm a pediatrician for 38 years, and I've been an addiction specialist of all ages for the past uh, 11 years. Castro. <laughs>